You're listening to the 130th edition of the Bitochen Podcast. And this week, we are between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. And we've gone through the Aser Tshuva. We've gone through this process. We're continuing in days of tremendous simcha, joy. And I'd like to share with you a thought from the Medrash related to Bitochen. I think that we can all work on and incorporate into our lives. The Medrash tells us, we know that on the first day, there's the Doraisa obligation, the Torah obligation to take the Arba Minim, the four species, the Lula of the Esrog, Hadas, and Laravas, to bring these four different types of trees together, right? You can see all the palm trees around me. And the Torah tells us to take them, right? So it's interesting in this Pasuk. And we find it elsewhere in the Torah. It says, truma. It says, numerous times it uses the word vikach to, to, to bring something to Hashem, to offer something to Hashem, but we take it to ourselves. And the Medrash wants to understand what is the idea that we're taking for ourselves through this expenditure. We're spending money on an estrog. We're spending money on a lulav. It's not cheap. Right? These are important things. These are precious things. To get a good one, not the easiest task. Why does the Torah, in all these instances, when we're expending, we're giving away from our money, where, where it seems that we're giving away, but the Pasuk uses the language of taking, as if we get something in this process. So Medrash says, Rabbi Abba Barkan, Pasach Kechum Al Kosef, Rabbi Abba Barkan, in explaining this, Means the Pasuk in Mishle. The Pasuk in Mishle says, Take my Musr, take my Torah, don't take money. In some way, as we'll see, we're going to see soon, but in some way, and this requires Bitochen, and we're going to have a really deep idea that I'd like to share with you about Bitochen based on what the measure says. We think that when we get money, we get guarantees. Right? That's what it feels like. If I have money, if I have my, my needs paid for, I feel very safe. I feel very batuach. I feel very confident. And when I don't have the money, when I, let's say, let's say I, came, I take Torah. I choose Torah. Let's say I choose to study Torah, choose to be someone in Kolal. I choose to perhaps go against the grain of those around me who are saying you've got to get a job, you've got to go to college, etc., these kinds of things. So it seems like I'm giving up my stability. I'm giving up my confidence. I'm giving up my bitachon. So, right, so I am giving up a certain kind of confidence, the Pasuk is saying, but I'm getting a different kind of confidence in its place. Take my Musar Hashem says, take my Torah, take my lessons, take that which I'm offering you as your guarantee. And not money. What do we see? So the Medrash says like this. I'm not reading everything here, but I'm reading parts of it, the, the, the ones that I want to I want to bring out. The Pasik says The Pasik says that I will I will take care of, I will remember all those who are pressured. All those who are pressured. Now, who's pressured? 
Right? Who's pressured? The ones who study Torah. The ones who dedicate their lives to spirituality. The ones who steer away from what seems to be financial success in order to embrace spiritual success. I feel like God is Says the Medjush, when it comes to studying Torah, right, so we find that people do get paid. You're not supposed to really take money to teach Torah. It must be something that's free. Torah is God's wisdom. What right do I have to charge for that? Right? Anybody can come and access the Torah. I don't have a right to charge for that. However, you do find that there's something called Skarbatola, which means that if I wouldn't be teaching Torah right now, so I would be spending my time making money. So you're allowed to pay somebody the amount of money he would have made if he wouldn't have been teaching Torah. But you're not getting paid for teaching Torah. You're getting paid for your time. You're getting paid for the time that you could have been spending doing something else. So what does this mean? What's the, what, is this, what does it mean I can't be paid for Torah? What does it mean that you can't put a money value onto Torah? So here are this amazing medrash. Tony, and this has to do with the days we just went through. Tony, me Rosh Hashanah, Niktasim is the nice Adam. We know that on Rosh Hashanah, a person's entire year is set. How much money you're supposed to make. How rich you're going to get. How many, how many of the right stocks you're going to buy? How much money, how much profit you're going to make? How much money you're going to lose? The fridge might break. The air conditioner might need a repair. All of, all of the back and forth of our money situation is determined on Rosh Hashanah. But there's an exception to this rule, says the Medrash. It's a famous Medrash, it's a Gemara as well. What a person spends on Shabbos, on Yontif, on the festivals, on the Sabbath, on Rosh Chodesh, interestingly, in the Medrash mentions, the money that you spend on your kids' tuitions, the money that you spend so that you can learn Torah, that money, however much money you spend on that, it doesn't take away from the amount that you're supposed to get that year. The, the amount that you're supposed to get is set, no matter how hard you try, no matter how weakly you try, you're going to get that amount. It's not going to change. But you want to know where you can put extra money to and get that money back? It won't take away from the cheshben. Learning Torah. Keeping Shabbos. Keeping Yantif. Your Lulav and Esrig, your Sukkah, all of the mitzvahs that are involved, Aliyah Laregel, coming up to Beis Hamikdash to bring korbanos, to bring sacrifices, all of these are included in spiritual matters that don't go into the cheshben of how much money you're going to make this year. Interesting, right? Sounds a little like bitachin, doesn't it? It doesn't have to do with you know. Let's see. Let's see what it's gonna. Well, let's see what this means. Let's see what this means. It's very interesting, because it's, what's interesting is that it's saying that you could do a shtadlus from today till tomorrow. You have a certain amount. That's it. You can't change that. But when it comes to spiritual things, there is some kind of flexibility. It sounds like. What's the idea here? Let's see. Rabbi was going on a trip. 
from Tveria to Tzipori, two cities in, in the land of Israel. Rabbi Chiyabar Abba was supporting him. He was helping him walk. They passed by a particular field. Yechanan says, this field that we just passed by used to be mine. He used to own this field. Yechanan was a wealthy man. So, so a large, portly man. He ate well. The Gemara tells us, right? He says, I used to own this piece of land, but I, I did this field, but I sold it so that I could learn. I decided it was more important that I study Torah. I sold it so I had the money to be able to sit and learn. He says, they passed by a vineyard, they passed by an olive orchard, and in each of them he said, this used to be my vineyard. This used to be my olive orchard, but I sold it so I could learn Torah. Okay, so listen to Rabbi Chia, what he says. Rabbi Chia, who was walking with Rabbi Echanan, was supporting him and was helping him walk along. Obviously, he sounds like he was an old man at this point. He started to cry. Rabbi Echanan says, Why are you crying? Chia says, what did you leave for yourself for your old age? You know, a person would have a field in those days, a person would have a vineyard. You could be supported by that. It was, it, it had uh, dividends that, that would pay through the years. You'd hire other people to take care of it. Yechanan gave up his retirement. He threw away his retirement to be able to learn now. Sir Bichio, how could you do this? I don't understand. Says, Do you think that this that I did is not important, not, not significant, not correct? I sold something which was created in the physical realm, in the six days of creation. And I acquired something which took 40 days to be given. Riechanan says, the Torah took 40 days for it to come down into this world. And we need to understand that number 6, what it represents, number 40, what it represents. The physical realm, I gave that up. Then the 6, the 6 days of the week, I gave that up so I could have the 40th, which is the Torah. My Shurabbeinu was there for 40 days and 40 nights to receive the Torah. Medjish finishes off over here with the story of Rabbi Yechanan Kademach. When Rabbi Yechanan passed away, Pasik says in Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs, if a person would give all of his wealth, so what does it mean he gave all of his wealth, Rabbi Yechanan, in his love for Torah? The end of the Pasik is, he gets the spoils in the end. He got the spoils, he got the Torah. He gave up his physical wealth for a spiritual wealth. Now, what does this look like? Did, was Rabbi Yechanan skinny in the end of his life? Did he, did he lose weight? Did he, sounds silly, but did he, did he no longer have the wealth? Did he, did he die penniless? Doesn't say. And it's not 
I don't know, I would say it's not important, but it is important because we find, and they point this out in the Meforshim, Naraisi Gam Zakadim, Naraisi Tzadik Nezav, Zar Mavakesh Lachem. David Melech, King David says, I was young and I was old, I never saw a person who was a Torah scholar, a tzaddik, a righteous individual, who their child was, was going around to the doors, knocking on doors, trying to get money. It didn't happen. So there's a guarantee. Even if a person gives up the physical realm, they still have the spiritual realm, and they still have a guarantee about their needs being taken care of in this world. But the Mephoshim say that what was the spoils, the spoils that he received? Says the Yosef, the spoils that he received were the, the money, the spoils of Gog and Magog. In the future, when the Messiah comes, there's going to be a tremendous war, and the nations are going to come, and they're going to fight against the Jewish people, and ultimately the nations of the world will lose, the Jewish people will win, and the Jewish people will receive all the wealth. All the wealth of the world will be theirs. So this is what Rabbi Yechelen gets. He gets the wealth of the world. He didn't lose anything, says Eitz Yosef. He didn't lose anything. There's more different... I'm not going to read the entire measure, just a few points here. The final point of the measure says like this. Amar Rabbi Abba Bar Ka'ana. Rabbi Abba Bar Ka'ana says, Mishkar Lekicha Talem Yitzchar Lekicha. From one place where it says to take, we're going to now go back to what we originally started speaking about. Pussy says, take the four minim, take the, the four species, the lulav, the esring, the adas, and the aravis. Take these four different types of branches and a fruit and bring them together. Take them, but you have to buy them, right? So you're spending money, but you're taking something. So we find another place that it says the word lekicha, where it says that you're taking it. Pasik says in Egypt, the Jewish people were commanded to take a hyssop branch, a bundle of hyssop branches, and dip the blood, dip the hyssop branches into the blood, and then put the blood on their doorposts. And that protected them. Protected them when the Mashkis came through, when the destroyer came through and killed the firstborns of the Egyptians, the Jews were protected. How much do you think it costs to take a few hyssop branches? It's not very expensive. You just walk outside, you get some branches, right? It didn't cost them very much. What did the Jews get in the end for it? They got incredible wealth. They got the spoils of the sea when the Egyptians came running after them. They got all of their money. They got all of their diamonds and wealth and gold that they had brought with them to chase after the Jews with. Interesting, right? Well, the Egyptians, this, why did they bring it with them? They felt that they would win because of it. They gave them power. Having money, like we saw at the beginning, having money makes you feel like you have power. I just read a story of somebody who went to meet with a very wealthy a billionaire. And he put in his pockets $10,000. $10,000 in wads of cash. So he felt powerful. Right? Money makes a person feel powerful. But who ended up with that money? The Jews. Why did they end up with that money? Because they did a mitzvah which cost them nothing. So, we get in the end, right, when the Jews went into the land of Israel, they 
conquered the nations that were outside of Israel, and they conquered the 31 nations inside of Israel. Why? Because they did that mitzvah, it cost them nothing. It costs a person a certain amount to buy the, the, the lulav, right? It costs a little more than just walking out and getting it for free. So certainly, if I spend money on it, imagine the protection. Imagine the ultimate results. So Moshe Rabbeinu informs them, exhorts them, warns them, make sure you do this mitzvah, it has incredible power. It has so much power. Make sure you do this mitzvah. What do we see from this Medrash? This is how I thought about it, okay? On Rosh Hashanah, there's a din. The amount of money a person has is katsuv, it's set. It's called linear. There's a linear amount that you're supposed to have. And if you try to push too hard, you'll get a little more, maybe. But then your washing machine will break down, a car will break down, or some other thing. It will always end up being the same no matter how hard you try. But there's a place where you can actually invest in that place and get more than you're supposed to get. Now, that sounds like, oh, wow, I can... It's not just like, oh, wow, uh, if I give money to Tzedakah, Hashem gives it back to me. Oh, wow, if I spend money on Shabbos, Hashem gives it back to me. I can spend as much as I want. It's saying a spiritual principle. You're not in a linear place anymore. When you buy a lulav, when you invest your money in something spiritual, when you give money to Tzedakah, to Talmud Chachamim, to Torah scholars, to study Torah, or for your child to learn Torah, you're stepping out of the linear bounds of your din on Rosh Hashanah. Listen to this, this is incredible, this is so happy, this is so joyous, because we're always looking at it, we're talking about, we're talking all the time, but how do you get in? We've spoken about this, but this is a little of the mechanics of it. You step out of the linear world which your Ishtalans doesn't help you with anyway. When you move into the spiritual world, when you move into the place where what's important is the mitzvahs, these things don't make sense. Well, you bring these four different branches together, uh, what, what is it? It's a mitzvah of Hashem. It accomplishes something, yes, the Mekubalim, it accomplishes amazing things. There's seven different parts of the four species. There's, there's three Hadassim, two Aravis, Lula, Vesrig, that's seven corresponds to the spheres, and you shake them in the four different directions, up and down, the sixth, and in the center is the seventh, all kinds of deep ideas. Whether you understand it or not, it does the same thing. It makes you a spiritual person. It makes what you think is important to be real. It says, I don't care about the guy with the $10,000 in his pockets. That's not what makes me feel confident. Rabbi says, I don't care about the, the, the field that makes people feel confident in their old age and the, and the vineyard and the, and the retirement fund. I don't care about that. That's not what makes me feel confident. It's the Torah. It's my investment in Torah. It's the fact that I care about learning. I'll give that all up for Torah and I'll get something much greater. I'll get the Biza Sayam. I'll get a supernatural source for all of the money that I need. This is the idea that I wanted to share with you. 
we can take it. We came out of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we're heading into Sukkot. And Sukkot is about expansion. Where do we, what do we do? We leave our house. We leave the linear world. We step into the Tzila de Memnusa. And we're underneath the shade of Hashem, the Divine Presence, the Shekhinah that protected us in the Midbar in a supernatural way. That's what we're looking for. We're looking to step out of the natural six days of creation and walk into the 40. The 40 represents the concept of the supernatural, of Bina, of the eighth aspect, of Lamalam Nateva. We can all do that. We work on Bitachon, we work on our mitzvah observance, we steer our money away from the guarantees that it supposedly gives us, which are false anyway. And we steer that money in to Torah, to mitzvahs, to those things that are supernatural, to those things that represent the will of Hashem, and we become, we come and become into human beings who are in that space where Hashem is, which is a place which is much beyond the physical realm that we normally inhabit. Thank you so much for listening. See you again next time.